I want to welcome everybody again to another episode of the Blue Banter Podcast, a podcast where we are striving to introduce the members of the RPCNA to the pastors of the RPCNA and to also glean wisdom uh, from men with ministry experience for young and aspiring pastors. I am one of your co-hosts, Joe Smith. I'm the pastor of Westminster Reform Presbyterian Church in Westminster, Colorado. And my name is Aaron Murray, pastor of Marion Reform Presbyterian Church in Marion, Indiana, the promised land of the North. And one reason why I think this is, in fact, the promised land of the North, Joseph, is my wife and I, we just had our fourth child, and all of our kids have been born in different hospitals. But this hospital here in Marion was the first time I ever got a steak dinner after having a baby. It was fantastic. So paid for by the hospital or something. I was paid for by some or the insurance company. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't amazing. It was equivalent to maybe Applebee's. So if you love Applebee's, that's amazing. Or if you don't love Applebee's, you might be insulted. But it was still steak, mashed potatoes, and green beans. It was great. They gave us a cheesecake. They gave us a uh, sparkling bottle of grape juice. It was awesome. So I'm there you go. You anymore? All right, fantastic. Well, Joe, what are we? Uh, what are we chatting about today? We're going to talk about just some, we've already talked before about some of the candidating process, uh, but since we're in between guests for various reasons that were mentioned in the last episode um, and still lining guys up and dealing with kind of just end of the year busyness of schedules, uh, we thought it would be helpful to follow up on that candidating uh, episode or discussion on just some do's and don'ts of candidating. I think one reason it may be helpful uh, to have a resource like this out for especially students is because you and I, if I remember right, and maybe this was because we were on messed up schedules, but I don't think we took Whitla's like pastoral readiness class where he does actually have a class on candidating or at least a lecture mm-hmm. on candidating. <laughs> I don't remember taking that until like, I don't know, the middle or the end of our senior year or something like that. It was like for yeah. us, it was, it was helpful and unhelpful because we were already kind of, kind of through yeah, or in dead in the middle of the, the candidating experience. So that's not any fault of the seminary or, or Whitla's. It's just like, that's how it fell for us. And, and so we didn't have that before we actually went out on the trail. If you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I think that actually is a third level class or third year class. Um, might be helpful if it was like a second year class. Yeah, end of second year, or maybe even I. And maybe it was at the beginning of. I don't remember which quarter it was. It w- if it was at the beginning of the first quarter, um, that that may not be too bad. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I just remember in that class thinking, well, no that fault of nice, anyone, yeah. but yeah, it would have been <laughs> nice to have had this before mm-hmm. you know before the process got rolling, mm-hmm. but. All right. So what are then some maybe do's and don'ts uh, of candidating? Um, And we were talking a little bit earlier, a lot of the do's and don'ts, you know, the do's kind of imply the don'ts and the don'ts imply the do's. Um, So we might end up cross pollinating here when we go back and forth. But uh, for you, Joe Smith, what uh, what are some do's and we can popcorn back and forth if you want. Yeah, I thought. I thought one of the main dues, especially as a student who's going to be candidating probably at the same churches as your fellow brothers, um, I just remember like it was yesterday 
David Whitla's sermon on John 21 and the mm-hmm. Christian grace of minding your own business and how timely uh, that was, you know, when Peter there is asking about John and Jesus essentially tells him, mind your own business. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think that would be uh, very a wise do. Obviously, the converse don't is is don't delve too much into um, what other brothers are doing at candidating trips, or you know, maybe one thing to ask: Oh, how was it going? But if you're asking very detailed questions, like for ulterior motives and things like that, um, that is not going to be good for the relationships. That's not going to be good for your own heart and mind. Um, not minding your own business is likely to stir up a competitive relationship between you and another brother or brothers, and it's just not going to be healthy at all. So. Uh, I, I'd say go back and find, I'm sure it's on RPTS's mm-hmm. YouTube channel, go back and look for David Whitla's sermon. Um, I guess this would have been from 2021, late 2021 or 2022 on John 21 from a chapel. Mm-hmm. Do yourself a service there. Yeah, I, uh, out of all the candidating I did, by God's grace, I was spared from any of that quote-unquote potential competitiveness um, with, with the fellow students. So mm-hmm. I'm very thankful for that. Um, one of the things I've got here is again, before you even start candidating, I guess, is make sure that you and your wife are kind of on the same page for how much candidating you're going to do, because you can do quite a bit of candidating or hardly any. Um, I know some guys, this wasn't true of me. I don't think this is true of anybody in our class, but I know some of the guys in previous graduating classes, they were candidating once a week for like three months. It's like, that sounds rough. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so w- whatever you're going to do, if it's, you know, you're going to commit to once a month, every other week, depending on how close you are to graduation, I'm sure it'll kind of ramp up a bit, but just make sure that you and your wife, uh, if you are married, are on the same page regarding how much candidating you're going to do and definitely keep her involved in kind of the the whole process. Um, talk to her about the congregation, the whole experience. Um, and eventually, you know, if a church is interested in you, they're going to want to meet your wife and kids. Um so she definitely needs to be involved for that. But that would be the first thing is just keep your wife included. Um, make sure you're on the same page when it comes to the amount of candidating that you're going to do. Yeah, no, that's good because it's very easily they can turn into almost functional single mothers mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, during mm-hmm. during a man's senior year when uh, presbytery exams are cranked up, uh, classes, candidating, all of that. Uh, yeah, it can be tough for sure. That's good. Um, another one I had, um, I had do go all out on whatever visits you do take though. And by that, what I meant was, uh, doing as much and, and maybe you would even need to ask the congregations you're candidating at, uh, to organize this, to do as much and spend as much time as you can, uh, with the session and the members. And so mm-hmm. in a sense, um, it, this is why I guess it may be good to to gauge your candidating so that you can wear yourself out on those visits and you can plan um, a full weekend uh, so that you can just help yourself make a better decision. You know, if you're just popping in and popping out, mm-hmm. uh, you're not helping anyone. And so it may wear you down like, uh, I am not a night owl, and yet there were nights I was up until, you know, 
I think one night here out at Westminster, I was up to like after 11 and o'clock, you know, the family I was yeah. staying with just chatting. I'm thinking this is going to suck <laughs> the next well, day. And with a time change, <laughs> you know, that's that's uh, two hours later, even just biologically. Right. Yeah. So it was yeah. like 1 a.m. Um, mm-hmm. But but I was willing to do it. Right. Because I saw those weekends as just kind of all out. Didn't care. Um, same thing, man. I remember candidating at uh, Manhattan. And I went with a young couple there to like a, a college student Bible study. And I was like dozing off uh. in the middle of this because I'm just <laughs> toasted, dude. I'm mm. just out. But, you know, I wasn't going to like not go, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I just think th- be prepared to and intend to throw yourself as much as you can into those weekends, all all for the purpose of helping you and that congregation to make as informed of a decision as mm-hmm. you can. Yeah, I've got something very similar to that in the sense that, you know, candidating, um, it, it is an economical cost to the congregations as well. So while you are also there to, you know, you're evaluating one another, you are candidating, right? Um, but they put a lot of resources into having you out. People sacrifice their time, they open up their homes, um, they feed you, those kinds of things. So you do want to be present with them all the time. And then just to, maybe add a little bit more to that is, you know, talk to the youth of the congregation as well. Um, it would be pretty easy to just focus on the elders and then <laughs> maybe some of the uh, the more outgoing members of the congregation, uh, but you want to definitely be interacting with the, uh, the children um, and the high schoolers of the congregation. Uh, Cause if they call you and you accept, you're going to be their pastor well uh, as well. So you want to be focusing on them so that uh, that would be yes and amen. And also, don't forget the kiddos. Mm-hmm. Do you have another distinct one? Uh, yeah. Um, similar to kind of this, I guess this is probably more just for, for my own circumstance, but um, because I was interning my whole time at seminary, at least on campus, um, I, I wanted to keep um, the pastor I was interning under kind of in the loop about my candidating schedule as well. That way he's like, well, where's my intern at? Why is he not <laughs> why is he not here worshiping with us? Um, so if you are interning, make sure that the the session that you're interning with kind of knows where you are, knows what you're doing. And most of the time they're going to be really receptive to that. I can't imagine a, a session kind of being really strict unless they were like, no, you're our guy. Although all those other congregations could take a hike, may, maybe, but you, you want to keep uh, the necessary parties involved with what your schedule looks like. Yeah, and obviously that would apply mainly as we look back at our at our um, episode on life at seminary. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't as, wouldn't apply as much to those guys who just do the summer internships, right. unless you were interning uh, in the summer. But yeah, definitely if you're going to do one of those more long term <laughs> um, internships, for sure, um, keep keeping everybody involved there. Um, kind of another don't I had was don't try and say uh, what you think they want to hear, but mm-hmm. just be open and honest. I mean, this would apply even to like yeah. presbytery exams. There can always be the temptation to give the, the in a sense, diplomatic, you know, uh, political, presidential, mm-hmm. I'm running for this office candidate, and you're just playing to the crowd, you know, so you know, you know this congregation, you know a little bit about them, so you're more tempted to say this or that if a certain question is asked or whatever. And that just doesn't help anybody at all. 
because if you were to get called there, eventually uh, your thoughts on it, their thoughts, you know, all these things are going to come out and they're going to clash. And so best just to just be straight up about your philosophy on things, your vision on things, uh, your, your theological convictions or whatever. Um, don't hide anything. Just be open and honest. I think I'd also add kind of on the other side of that as well is beware of, you know, getting on your theological soapbox too much. Um, you know, no church is perfect. And wherever you go, there's going to be things that could be better. Um, I had some, something similar. You know, sometimes you, you you take the long game and just be like, okay, is this is this a faithful congregation? Are they a teachable congregation? Yeah. Well, then if that's the point, case, at least, unless somebody explicitly asks you about something, you, you don't need to be like giving your five-step plan for how you're going to reform the church. If they ask for that, give it to them. Um, but you don't want to come all across as like, I'm, I'm going to come and save this congregation. You're not the savior of the congregation. You're a servant of the congregation. So that would be one of my don'ts is kind of avoid, if possible, some of your theological soapboxes that we all have. Yeah, I had literally oh, almost essentially the exact same thing. But but yeah, I think with that still, when you are asked something, be honest mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, don't don't go out of your way to, you know, talk about why every woman in there needs to have head coverings on or something like that. But if you're asked about your thoughts on head coverings, you know, be be gracious in how you answer, but don't don't um so sugarcoat it that mm-hmm. you're like deceptive of your own actual thoughts on it. It mm-hmm. could be on whatever, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what else uh, you got? Um, I would say when, one of the dues of candidating is, you know, you get an invite to come out. Um, there's nothing that says you need to respond to that email immediately. Um, so before you even agree um, or um, deny uh, an invitation, you want to research the congregation. And particularly if you're going to accept it, you know, research as much as you can. And that, that could include going onto their website and just kind of looking at what they have on there, looking at maybe some of the past sermons, um, talk to people who know the congregation well, um, research, get to know as much as you can, at least um, a little bit about the congregation before you even show up. And then sometimes, oftentimes, even if you're candidating, they're going to ask you to do the presiding as well. This is one of the areas where I always tripped up because everybody has their own kind of presiding culture. There's certain like congregational rhythms and things. So I always, I absolutely loathed uh, presiding in unfamiliar congregations. So if you can get a hold of like an, an old bulletin or maybe talk to one of the elders uh, before the Lord's day and just get to know what those rhythms are. So you don't end up looking like a goofball, you know, when people are standing for some reason, you have no idea why they're standing or they're sitting when you expect them to stand, you know, th- those, those kinds of things. So do as much uh, initial research before you even get there. I thought you just took control of the situation. Just yell at him to sit down. <laughs> yeah. Is that what you did? No. <laughs> so that, that, no, that's good. Um, that kind of uh, plays into the one that I kind of told you I was going to, to ask about beforehand uh, somewhat at least. And so this is more of not really a do and a don't necessarily, though it kind of plays into it because it, it could be framed as a do or a don't. Um, but just a question, your thoughts on it. Uh, should, should, should a man, a student in particular, um, take every opportunity to candidate or should he just focus on 
one or two uh, specific interests, congregations that he has specific interest in. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to be political, like you were just harping on not being political, but I do think it does depend contextually <clears throat> on um, the individual and the circumstances of that individual's life. Um, so I know in your case, you had one particular congregation that you kind of fell in love and instant and fell in love with instantly. Um, and you pretty much focused all of your resources on them and the Lord blessed that. And there you are. Um, but you did do a little bit more candidating besides just them as well. And so if you have the time and the bandwidth, the ability, your wife's okay with it. Like my mode of operation was generally to, to say yes to almost everything. There were a few that I said no to just because I knew I would not be a good fit for that congregation or life was just way too hectic and way too busy. But for the most part, if I was able to, I would try and go wherever I was asked to go. But again, that's something that each man, each family is going to have to weigh on their own. If you're single, I don't I mean, maybe you've got a lot going on with school and stuff, but if you're single, you probably should go to as much as you can. Yeah. I, I'm with you somewhat political. Um, Though I don't have near the problem with turning places down uh, as um, some others, you know, who would just be strong on mm-hmm. just like, you take them all, you mm-hmm. take them all. Because, you know, I I think about it uh, somewhat. Jay Adams talks about, you know, when you're discerning God's will, you know, uh, we can get pretty mystical pretty quick and not even realize mm-hmm. it. Uh, if you think about the discernment box, right, it's it's so, you know, just very briefly, if you have three jobs before you, a cook, a police officer, and a a uh, uh, mafia helper, uh, obviously the mafia helper is outside the box, right? Like that's not in accord with God's Nobody will. calls it a mafia helper. Whatever. What are you struck- talking about? <laughs> I had many other things I was going to say that were running through my mind, and I just thought less appropriate to say, and so mafia helper came out okay. don't care All right. everybody hey. knows what i'm talking about no, it's cute thank you mm-hmm. um so that's out that's out right but it also um maybe the the cook doesn't provide enough money in the place you're at and so it's not that being a cook is sinful but being a cook is not most wise and so that goes outside of your box and there you go boom you're left with um the police officer. So when we're looking to make decisions, we don't want to be reading or trying to read God's secret will. We want to just be acting in accord with his revealed will. And especially when you're thinking about candidating, uh, going to be a pastor at any given church is obviously not sinful. And so in that sense, all options are in the box uh, as far as that goes. Uh, but then you can get into, you know, most wise or least wise and and even into then preferences, right? And 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 your own gifts as a pastor and the makeup of a congregation. And so I'm more of the opinion, um, if you don't have an interest, don't go, right? If that's not a congregation that you would like to serve, uh, or whatever or you don't think aligns with with your gifts or the culture or whatever, I got no problem with not going. And some some people would say, well, maybe it's God's will for you to go there. Maybe. 
I mean, it's just like, but that's trying to read God's secret will in a complete confusion of our duty to make decisions with his revealed will. And there's nothing, nothing contrary to his revealed will for me to say, well, I don't, I don't want to go to that congregation. That doesn't line up with my gifts, you know, or, or the makeup of it, nothing against them, et cetera, et cetera, as far as that goes. But so I just, I just don't see this necessary thing to, I'm going to go out and see what God's will is. So I'm going to have to go to every single congregation because it just may be, well, of course it just may be. And God's secret will is obviously always going to be done. Uh, absolutely. But we're called to make decisions within his revealed will. And so if, well, that's if Joe's theological soapbox you, right here. Are you talking to me? <laughs> talking to you. I just saw your mouth moving, so I'm no, not sure that was on the audio. I, I said that's your theological soapbox right here is uh yeah. discerning the call. Well, I'm not candidating, so I can mm -hmm. do that. You, can, <laughs> you don't have to be as political now is what you're saying. <laughs> no, that's just my thing though. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not against it. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying I don't feel I don't agree with the guys that are like, oh, you should go everywhere. Like it's almost like it's like this burden that's put on your conscience that if they call, I must go. Yeah, no. maybe, maybe maybe let's tamper it a little bit, perhaps, and say we should prayerfully consider going everywhere, but not at all feel obligated to accept sure. every invitation. Yeah, I'd be in line with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think anything I said was out of line with that. I, I, using that discernment box and asking, is this most wise? Is this preferable? That obviously requires thinking and consideration. Mm -hmm. No, I like it when you get a little worked up on the podcast. It doesn't happen very often, but every now and then <laughs> the pitch of your voice will rise up a little bit. You start waving your hands. It's uh, it's good for me. Um, yeah. All right, I'm going to give you two more do's, and then I'll kind of tee up a question for you about questions. Right. Um, so another do is when it comes to candidating, again, be sensitive to the financial needs of the congregation. Um, so if they're flying you out, you know, book a cheap flight. If they are going to cover your meals, reimburse your meals, eat cheap. That's just it's just common courtesy uh, to be kind to of those those congregations because a lot of them, I mean, can barely afford even to to bring us out. And so we want to well, be sensitive. Real quick, to them. one thing on that, I absolutely agree, but I will just say um, sometimes, yeah, definitely be in conversation with the congregation. But sometimes it may just be like Westminster really liked me getting out here around 10 ish a.m. Mm -hmm. on a Saturday mm -hmm. and like that required like a straight through from United. And that was not the cheapest flight. And so. So, yeah, I think the key point there is be in congregation with them. And absolutely, if you can, you know, do your homework to book a cheaper flight. It's just sometimes mm -hmm. there may be other circumstances that they're fine with, you know, and, and like Westminster was in a better financial position you know, so, so they could play into their preferences as well, but yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's good. And then uh, kind of the last thing I've got here on dues uh, before I tee up this question for you is unless it violates your conscience, preach from the pew Bible that the congregation uses. Now, now sometimes it will violate your conscience, in which case you're going to have to be, you literally are going to have to be an open dialogue with the session and the congregation about that. But if it doesn't, you know, if if you're kind of an ESV guy and they're using the King James, you preach from the King James. Um, if you prefer the King James and they use NASB, preach from NASB. Um, you want to remove as many distractions as possible. Now, when there's a Q and A time, when the congregation asks you questions and they ask about your preferred preference or your uh, preference of conviction or your uh, translation by conviction, then you need to be open and honest about that. But 
you don't need to put uh, another barrier in between you and the congregation if they're not used to, you know, being preached from from the um, ESV because they use the New King James. We'll use the New King James. Just just remove any unnecessary barriers. All right. Yeah. Here's 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 my question. Amen for you. to that. Okay. I won't get on a soapbox again, but well, no, I, I just I was applies. I was uh, I was looking at your uh, um, sermon audio page and I and I saw you just preached a two parter on uh, a certain translation or or a certain preach on a translation. Or I, I was going to say text tradition. I'm sorry. Very different. I'm sorry. Okay. All and right. If you listen to the sermon, I will. I'm exactly. I, I haven't yet, but I will. I'm looking forward to it. Listen before you judge, sir. I didn't judge. You're um, judging me about my lack of anyways. My, I think what you just said applies even to visiting congregations, though. Oh, absolutely. Honestly, yeah. it really yeah. bothers me when I was a member of a congregation and a visiting pastor comes in and, you know, he wants to preach from whatever translation he has. Mm -hmm. It just, ugh. <laughs> he got you, did it? Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we don't want to, we don't want to cause people to grumble while we're trying to preach all right so here's here's kind of the tee up um because inevitably when you go candidating you're likely going to do a q a with the congregation um but also you're going to have a time at least you ought to have a time where you meet privately with the elders they ask you questions you ask them questions that kind of thing so when it comes to that what were some helpful questions that you asked of the session that you were candidating with or candidate so I'm just going to monologue this for time reasons. You're going to monologue? I, no way. Yeah. And um so I and and just going to read these straight through and these were these were these came from numerous sources, but I ended up making a list for myself too and then I starred them based on priority. But I'll just read some of the questions and then some of even the helpful discussion points um to talk about as well. And then, and then one other thing you could be doing and then toss it back over to Mr. Murray. But so as far as questions, things, things you could be asking, take or leave any of these you like, uh, ask about the size of the congregation and the ratio of young and old members. Cause it's possible that the whole congregation may not be there when you're there. Um, and, and you may be meeting with the session, uh, before you actually meet the congregation. Mm -hmm. So it can just be helpful to ask about that. Uh, ask, is the congregation currently growing? Is it stagnant or is it even uh, regressing? And what are the reasons uh, that the session thinks may be the case for either one of those? Uh, you could ask, is the spirit or the morale of the whole congregation, is it good or bad? Are they in a good or bad season? Uh, do the majority of the members seem committed to the work and to seeing Christ honored in it? Ask, what is the surrounding community like? Are there any divisions in the congregation? Are there any serious doctrinal or moral issues in the congregation that are currently unresolved? Uh, does the youth work seem vital or apathetic? Are there any peculiar practices or convictions strongly present in the congregation? They ask, what do scheduled events look like? Bulletins, normal a weekly schedules and life and rhythm of the congregations. Uh, what seems to be the attitude in the congregation towards the pastor? Uh, what ministries does the church have? How active is the congregation in the session in those? Ask what are the strengths and the weaknesses of the congregations uh, according to the session? Uh, what is the fellowship in the congregation like? 
on the Lord's Day uh, during the week? What does that look like? What is the current, um, call it what you want, church school, Sunday school, Christian education, whatever. What is the current structure and content of that? Who typically teaches uh, those courses? Uh, look into uh, the experience level of the session. Uh, are there, you know, how do they divide the duties amongst the members of, of the session? What does disagreement on the session typically look like? What is the session's relationship with the diaconate? And then you can ask also, what what does shepherding look like right now? Uh, in the session? Uh, do they have shepherding groups? Do they do visitations? What kind of visitations do they do? Uh, what's the the load ratio or the roles uh, between the teaching elder and the ruling elders? You know, or is, is this a functional, you know, are you expected to be a functional bishop in this congregation or do they have a strong uh, Presbyterian, practical Presbyterian view of of the load and the ratios um, being born amongst the elders, um, keeping in mind the special duties, obviously, of the teaching elder. Um, and then also you could ask, have you ever come to a pastor, ask the session members, have you ever come to a pastor with concerns about a sermon and what did that look like? Uh, ask, what will the transition look like? So what will the first three to four months, you know, what would that look like of me being here as far as uh, ratio and expectation and so on and so forth. Uh, getting back again, some of these are choppy that I didn't necessarily put them in order. Um, deacons experience and in service, you, know, you talk to the deacons, especially if there's a, a deacon uh, or di a diaconate as well, which there probably will be, you know, what's their experience? What's their service? What's their philosophy of the diaconate? Are they proactive or are they reactive in meeting mercy ministry needs? Uh, ask what 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 the relationship is with other um, local congregations, local churches, and not even necessarily ones of of your own denomination or presbytery. But is there any interaction with other local churches? Uh, what are the strengths and weaknesses of that particular presbytery, according to the session? And then, are there any issues between that local congregation you're candidating at and uh, the presbytery. So those are those were just some questions. Um, another one I have here: just what are the expectations of the pastor and his wife? Again, is he is he expected to be a, some CEO type figure? It, you know, what just what are the expectations? Is he expected to do all of these various things? Uh, you know, so on and so forth. And then, what's his wife? Is his wife expected to be almost like you know a non ordained uh, officer? You know, is she, is she, uh, I forget who put it like this, you know, but is she uh, expected to be a pastor's wife? So like an unofficial officer, mm -hmm. or simply the wife of the pastor, you know, so a member and a wife, just like any other wife in the congregation. So, you know, what, what is, because so, some, some congregations have views that she's this first lady type figure and this, you know, she's expected to lead the ladies Bible studies and to, you know, lead all of these things. So that's that's important to know. And then just some other discussion points that would be helpful. Again, already kind of talked about the purpose and role of the pastor, but you know, what what is their view of the priority of shepherding uh, versus evangelism? You know, that can get again into philosophy of ministry kind of things. Uh, what what are their views of those two? 
what's the working relationship with the session going to look like uh, day to day and so forth. And then talk about visions. You know, what are the visions that the current session may have uh, for the church? And then just, again, be open and honest. Uh, again, as Aaron already said, not necessarily about, like, well, I want to change this, 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 you know, but but again, be honest about what your visions are, uh, especially as the teaching elder. There is a sense in which you are um, certainly with the session, but you may well be the functional visions that are at least the one that maybe kicks the can initially down the road. And then that's worked out certainly amongst the entire session. Um, you know, talk about the preaching. What is their philosophy of preaching? Um, you want to get affirmations from them that, that the whole counsel of God is to be proclaimed. Um, so, so what is their philosophy of preaching? Again, kind of backing up on this, but uh, what's their philosophy of visitation and counseling? What's their vision of these things? Um, is there a desire to learn in these areas? Uh, what you know? Do they have a hunger and thirst to get out there and to visit and to be involved in the counseling ministry of the session as a whole? Um, do they think the diaconate is important, or do they see this as just you know it's just some uh, glorified grounds maintenance crew that we use as a stepping stone uh, for the eldership? Um, again, talk about, the, you know, not just with the congregation, but with the session, the role of the wife, uh, how is work delegated, uh, amongst, uh, the session and is, is help easy to find in the congregation for projects. Again, talk about vision of church school, Sunday school, whatever you want to call it. Um, talk about prayer meetings, home Bible studies. What do you have, uh, if any of these, do you desire if any of these, do you desire to get rid of any of these? Uh, and then you also needed to have open and honest conversations about finances, housing, vacation, moving expenses, right? To be unclear is to be unkind on anybody's end in those conversations. They can be awkward, but they are absolutely necessary to have. Uh, discuss any kind of maybe secretarial help, even if voluntary. I think Jay Adams said in a, in a footnote, in one of his books that a, a good secretary could be worth five associate pastors. You know, I mean, the work that a good secretary or secretarial help, it really, it's almost like a, a diaconal position in the sense that it really just enables the pastor and the session members to focus on uh, the word and prayer versus so many of those administrative duties. So just ask, is there going to be, is there, would there be a desire to have that? Um, and then also, again, just expectations of the session of you, not just the congregation. Uh, those, those are just some points of discussion that would be helpful. And then just a, a little exercise uh, that Adams has from his book on shepherding God's flock. So for students, as you're getting started in this process, uh, you could set aside time to draw up a list of your own strengths and weaknesses and also a list of possible improvements that will help you to overcome weaknesses and state specifically how you plan to overcome each of those and pray regularly about them. And then this kind of gets into what I was getting at earlier, uh, describe the kinds of congregations that you are now best suited for and that you are now least suited for. Um, those would just be, that would be a helpful exercise to go through uh, as you begin this process. So that's the end of my monologue there. All right. 
thank you for that. I don't think I have anything really to add as far as uh, questions to ask of the session. Uh, the only thing that I want to say before we kind of maybe go on to the uh, explicit don'ts of candidating is not in a cynical way, but you, you need to be investigative when you're candidating. You know, you're putting on your best effort or your best foot forward. Uh, the congregation's probably going to be doing the same. Um, so listen to, you know, what what is a question behind the question that people ask? Listen to how the congregation talks about particular uh, ministries that they're involved in. Listen to things that, um, you know, they may be articulating certain frustrations with how things have gone in the past or different expectations in the future. So you want to be you want to be critically evaluating what people are saying so that, again, you can have a better understanding of what being a pastor there might look like. Um, there's probably more to say about that, but um, I'll kind of reserve those comments unless somebody wants to talk actually personally about <laughs> those kind of things. Well, no, I think you're right. Like, especially like, you know, take note if they ask some just like really weird, specific question. Mm -hmm. Like yep. if a fight about <laughs> Christmas socks breaks out yeah. on the Lord's day after the morning service, before the CE hour, between three men and two women in the congregation, how would you handle that? Yeah, it's yeah. like that is like a dead giveaway that something like that, if not that exact thing, actually happened. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's no such thing as a hypothetical question and, and candidating. Like they, <laughs> they're all, you know, maybe names have been changed to protect the innocent, but they're they're real situations that I think uh, congregations have have dealt with. Yeah. Um, all right, you ready to move into the uh, explicit don'ts? Yeah, I mean, I'll let you kind of lead on this because I kind of gave already some of mine somewhat. Um, but but yeah, I'll, I'll play off of you mostly on this list here. Okay, um, so so this is one that uh, just really gets me, and it is this: do not be late. Oh yeah, I mean, sometimes your flight gets delayed, uh, other kinds of things. So if if you are hindered from something that is outside of your control, fine. But it better be that. Do not be late. Show up when you're supposed to show up. Be on time. Um, you know, if you're staying at someone's house, ask them what time they generally get up. You um, went silent. Oh, sorry. I don't know. Maybe it's your headphones, dude. You still can't hear me? Okay. Well, I mean. Still I silent. There you go. The uh, It's recording on my end, so I think okay. it can hear me. Um, so, yeah, if you're if you're staying at someone's home, you know, ask what time they, they tend to get up, ask what time they tend to, you know, have coffee or breakfast, ask what time they, they tend to be, you know, leave and, you know, get your shower done, get your tie on before they're even ready for coffee. Just be ready. Um, it might be good to ask the elders on the initial invitation, you know, what is your expectation for sermon length and be on time for that. Um, don't be late. Being late shows negligence. Being late shows that if you can't even show up on time to the church for worship, that's going to signal that you're not going to be able to get your work done on time throughout the week. So don't be late. That is my first and primary don't, maybe not the primary don't, but that's the one that gets me the most. If you ever want to just annoy me, be late. Amen. Preach it, brother. Amen. All right. Um, when you are candidating, um, particularly on like the first trip, this is what I'm calling solo candidating. Uh, don't ignore your family. I asked my wife um, kind of some do's and don'ts um, from our experience because I told her we were going to be doing this topic. And she's like, well, I know that you were busy pretty much all day on the Lord's Day. So I knew I wasn't going to hear from you, but it was nice when you could text me or maybe call me 
when you got a chance. So uh, don't forget that you've got a wife at home um, or if you have kids, kids at home and, you know, try and set some time aside to talk to them. And then on the flip end, you know, you go by yourself and then maybe they like you and they want to have you back. So you go to a, on a second candidating trip to the same congregation. Don't put abnormal expectations on your wife and on your kids while you're candidating. So kids are going to be kids. And, you know, there's a difference between being disobedient and just being energetic. Um, so don't, don't put those expectations on your children because they're going to, they're going to remember that. Um, they're going to grow up with that. And that, that could be a, a real way to provoke wrath on your children. If you put unrealistic expectations on them while you're candidating, um, you want to manage your household well, but again, you need to have realistic expectations. Kids are going to be kids. So that, that's what I've got for that. I've got a few more, but any, you want to bounce back on that at all? Not on that. I think those are good. Just another one kind of came to my mind though. Um, for well, two really, one of them that kind of plays into what we were just saying in your time thing. Like, don't come unprepared mm-hmm. either. Like, don't just, just drop in and just go with the flow. You know, I mean, and and part of that is, uh, don't forget to phrase this in an explicit don't that this is like a mutual process. Mm-hmm. Okay, so don't go in there and just let them ask you questions. Uh, mm-hmm. You need to have a time to ask them questions uh, and so on and so forth. So don't forget that this is absolutely mutual and you just as much because uh, they can call all day long, but you have to accept the call. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, doing your homework uh, as well and all that just kind of plays into what we already said, but yeah, mm-hmm. don't forgetting that it's a mutual thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got this. This is something I did, and I, in some sense, you guess you just do it because you're so busy. Um, and I know a lot of guys do this. Um, but be cautious. Maybe I'll phrase it that way, not as a don't, but be cautious of always using recycled sermons. And so sometimes you end up preaching the same sermon to five or six different congregations. Um, and guess what? Those congregations are going to put those on sermon audio. <laughs> And the congregation that you're going to preach to that you've never met before has already heard that sermon. <laughs> um, you know, there was one church that I candidated at and uh, this, uh, she's a sweet woman. She came up to me and she's like, it's fun to look at sermon audio, all the student pages and kind of see how they've preached the same sermon. And I like to go and I like to see when the first date was and listen to everyone to the last date and just see how they progressed. <laughs> and then there was a, there was another congregation that I was uh, preaching at, and it was a recycled sermon. And I noticed, uh, you know, someone had fallen asleep. Well, like, like dead asleep, like obvious asleep, not saw on logs, but they were out. And so I I knew this guy had a decent enough relationship where I could be serious, but also jovial and call out the fact that he was asleep after the the worship service. And he looked at me, goes, you know, I've heard that sermon like three times already. So I think I've got it. (laughs) It's like, Ooh, okay. All right. So just, whether that's the right response or not, yeah, just be aware. <laughs> it's not. Um, just be aware of you know recycling sermons too often. Sometimes you've got to do it, but but beware of that. Um, let's see here. Uh, you kind of already answered this a little bit, but I've got it as don't be a coward in how you answer questions. Um, so again, you don't want to beat around the bush. You don't want to be political. But if someone asks you a explicit question and you've got particular convictions about that. 
you, you don't have to tiptoe around the answer. You you can boldly, respectfully, winsomely, kindly, unapologetically give your answer. Um, so I, that's uh, that's what I've got. Don't be uh, a coward in how you answer. Um, also, don't be overly sensitive to the reactions of the congregation to your answers or to um, their quote unquote evaluation of your quote unquote performance. So I was candidating at one congregation and uh, the elders had me preside and they had me do the pastoral prayer. And they said, okay, we've, we've got a strict time limit. We've got to be out of here at, at a certain time. So we need you to keep your prayer really, really short. So I did maybe two, three minutes during the uh, Q&A of the congregation time. Uh, this gentleman stood up and very passionately started talking about how you can really tell what a private, what a man's prior private prayer life looks like based on his public prayer. And he said, based on how short your prayer was in the corporate worship service today, you must not have a prayer life. <laughs> it's like, okay, um, don't be overly sensitive. That's going to happen. Um, <laughs> just, just, just roll with it. Um, and then finally, I would say, don't look at the congregation for how they are currently, but how they can be. So again, this this gets into this idea of vision. This gets into the idea of ongoing reformation. Um, so if you see a congregation that's got you know some problems, got some concerns, they may be so large that you say, "No, I'm I'm out. I can't. I I couldn't do that. I would not be good for them. They wouldn't be good for me. That kind of thing." But if they're if they're minor enough to where you say, "Okay, over time, you know, you can massage change into that congregation and you see what they could be." You know that's that's what you're going to be looking at the congregation, how they are and how they could be. So those are my uh, don'ts of candidating. Yeah, thank you. I, I um, before we move on to the kind of do's and don'ts for for the churches there. One other thing I had on my sheet here that was helpful. And again, I don't remember where I got this from, but um, when you're talking with a session uh, back and forth, uh, if at any point answers to your questions aren't like explicit or clear, mm -hmm. or if there is any indication of like possible conflict, right, between session members, uh, that's a good place to pause, probe, and to seek really the exact thinking of of the group as a whole. Um to 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 get a vibe of where the whole session's at or to see is there is there like strong division on the session on this particular issue. Mm -hmm. But be mindful that that kind of gets to what you were getting at earlier about you know listening with kind mm -hmm. of being investigative a, and yeah 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 mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right Mr. Smith some do's and don'ts for congregations who are having candidates come to them yeah so for one do I had um, and and I okay get, there could be all kinds of reasons um, that you one may not be able to do this but the the earlier you can start having guys out, um, the better mm -hmm. versus like having just this mass rush uh, that, that always seems to happen like the um, last quarter of senior year. All these churches start popping up that want to have you out. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm pretty sure you were without a pastor like <laughs> for the last year. Mm -hmm. And so, you know. Um, man, if you're without a pastor at, at, you know, in the summertime, you know, most of the time it's going to take you a while. I mean, I, I know things can, 
can go quick, but in my limited experience in the RPCNA, I mean, usually, I mean, you're talking six months to a year process, if mm-hmm. not longer, that that a congregation is going to be open. And so, so keeping that as kind of the general average in mind, man, start having guys out at minimum uh, early in their senior year, if not, if if not at the end uh, of their middler year so you can spend more time with these guys you can um maybe have more of them out uh versus just a couple and i know congregations have to first and foremost care about themselves but it is also a grace to uh the students um to to get started with them earlier because again it is a mutual process and so understanding that uh, the person you're having out also has a say in whether he may come there or not it just gives everyone more time and just really aids the discernment process mm-hmm. yeah i've got something very similar don't wait till the 11th hour to have students yeah. candidate now i say that and it's somewhat ironic because here i am at a congregation uh, that you know didn't necessarily wait till the 11th hour they actually started as soon as they realized that they were gonna have an empty pulpit but it was the 11th hour for me. Well, it was more like 1159. Um, and by God's grace, it worked out. But in general, that's probably not a good practice to have. But, but like you're saying that like the congregation from their side, they actually started yeah. immediately. Yeah, it was it was a very fast process, like insanely fast um, to where if it was anywhere else and the way things have played out, we obviously know that this is what the Lord wanted. Um, but any other congregation would be like, what in the world are you doing <laughs> going yeah. that fast? Um so yeah, let's see here. Um, this didn't happen to me, but I, I got the sense that it did happen to some of my other fellow students is um, don't lead a student on. I have that um, exact same thing. You know, I figured you did. Um, you and I think fairly similar most of the time. Um, if you know that you are not going to call the man, let the man know. That's a hard conversation to have. Um, it's not an easy one to receive, but it's better in the long run for the congregation and and the the candidate as well. So if you know that it's not going to happen, let them know. If uh, if you think it might, let them know. But you got to have open communication. Again, this is kind of like a, a dating process. It's called candidating. Um, if you know you're not going to marry someone, you know, don't continue the relationship. At least in that way. Yeah, no, I had the same thing. Yeah, don't don't lead guys on. Don't don't make any uh, promises. Don't leave guys just kind of hanging. Uh, like you're saying, uh, over communication is going to be better than mm-hmm. under communication because that's just one thing. Again, getting back to the time thing, I'm like a communication stickler, dude. I cannot stand when you know just a lack or when i'm dealing with a poor communicator that's just a red flag for me i love it i don't really want to work with i you. love it it's my favorite thing to do yeah i'm sure it is every time i see you texting i'm like eh. wicked intentions <laughs> um yeah i don't know man that's just a red flag to me maybe you're not somebody who cares that much about that but if i got a congregation that's like lacking in communication that's just going to really turn mm-hmm. me off mm-hmm. yeah no i uh we don't need to get into my why i never text people back but no i agree with you particularly in this uh situation all right i've got one kind of a negative and one kind of a positive here so i'm going to do the the negative so we can 
end on this section on a positive, at least for me. So I got nothing more. I I would say um, congregations need to be patient with the the children of their candidate candidate. Um, You know, I've talked about the candidate not having unrealistic expectations um, on his kids and the congregation shouldn't either. You got to remember most of the time, if you're having a family come out, they've traveled and it's hard for a kid to be in the car, to be in the plane or, or whatever. And they're going to have a lot of energy. So if what you're seeing is a lot of energy, let me take note of that, but don't mistake energy for disobedience or, or enthusiasm for rebellion. So be patient with, with his family, be patient with his wife. Cause she's going to be exasperated from keeping the kids in line or trying to keep the kids in line, trying to meet their needs while they travel, those kinds of things. So be patient with, uh, with the family of, of your candidate. And then one of the things that I really appreciate, I don't know how to phrase this as a do or don't. Um, this wasn't a candidating thing, but, uh, I went out to Shawnee and I'm going to use the, the name of the congregation because I'm just so thankful for it and for uh, what one of these members did. And I can't remember her name, but she came up and she asked me what my wife's name was. She asked for our address and then she sent a thank you card to her, um, for all that she does, all that, you know, my wife, you know, holding the house down while I was gone, those kinds of things. So, you know, if you can include the wife in the candidating process, thank her for what she does, um, ask her questions, even get her feedback, those kinds of things. I think that that's really helpful for the whole family as a whole. So those are my do's and don'ts for a congregation on the other or the receiving end of the candidating process. And I just give a double witness shout out to the lady for the dear sister from mm-hmm. Shawnee because she did the same thing. And actually, I yeah, I can't remember her name either, but her family, they came through Westminster mm. at some point last year. And uh, so my wife actually got to put a face with okay. yeah. uh, the lady who wrote that letter. So, yeah, no, that was that was a super sweet touch. Mm-hmm. All right, you kind of hit this a little bit with uh, um, kind of your whatever you called it, your uh, mafia helper. But when you've got <laughs> when you've got multiple calls, let's say the Lord blesses a man with that. Um, how does a man consider multiple calls? Yeah. So, I mean, I think some of it, um, thinking through again, um, your own giftedness and, uh, your own philosophy of ministry, right? Are you, um, the type of path, like all of us agree that we need to be preaching, doing discipleship, uh, counseling and evangelism, but philosophy of ministry really gets to, you know, where, what of those areas are you going to emphasize, right? Like no truly godly reformed pastor is going to neglect any of those areas or say they're unimportant, but we all have different giftedness and we all have um, just different um, likes as far as, you know, it's not wrong to enjoy one of those things more than, than the other perhaps. And a lot of times your joys go with your strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Um, But nevertheless, uh, you know, so so what kind of philosophy of ministry does this congregation have? You know, um, d- doesn't mean that you can't make it work out, you know, or if, you know, hey, this is your only call, then sure, you know, maybe you go mm-hmm. for that. But, you know, aligning philosophy of ministry, uh, particularly with the session, uh, but then overall also with the congregation is just going to be uh, – very important for thinking through 
multiple calls, you know, okay, you're someone who is, who excels in preaching and teaching, but uh, you're a little more weak in discipleship or outreach or whatever. And you have two congregations. One is, uh, loves emphasizing the preaching, the public preaching and teaching ministry. Um, and other, the other is very outreach oriented. Well, there you go. Like, go to the one that aligns with your giftedness. That's mm-hmm. going to be good for everybody involved. It doesn't mean you you ignore the weaknesses and don't try and strengthen those. But I'm of the opinion you play to your strengths, right? You you want to be developing every area all the time. But I don't think you need to be turning weaknesses into strengths and, and pretending you're somebody you're not. Be strong in the things you're strong in without neglecting your weaknesses, right? So it's it's not wrong to be exceptionally gifted in preaching and teaching and a little less so in outreach or discipleship, so long as you're not neglecting those areas. So alignment of philosophy of ministry uh, would be a way to help you decide. I've got more thoughts, mm-hmm. but I'll stop there. Yeah, I think uh, also one of the things I would say is when you're considering a call, don't, don't accept a call only because of the location. So there are some really nice places uh, with some wonderful churches. But if you're like you're saying, Joe, if your strengths don't line up with their strengths, um, then maybe maybe it's not a good idea. So first and foremost, what I, you know, my, my wife and I did was when we were considering calls was considering the people. And, you know, we love all the people. So you can, well, the I know you can't hear me. I think, uh, I think the Zoom can because it's recording on my end but you still can't hear me, but that's fine. Um, so if you don't love the people, you probably should not accept the call um, to that particular location. I am going to, you can hear me now? Okay. No right. clue what you just said. I, I just said, ba- basically, make sure that you love the people mm, yeah. wherever you go. Uh, it's it's not location dependent. It's people dependent. Yeah. And, and so that you, plays into yeah. what you said. I think I think what you said earlier is right, but this would be the balancing thing. You should love them for who they are, right? Not merely who they can be, right? Yes, absolutely. Like you were saying earlier, so so I think what you just said um, really um, uh, does good at balancing your earlier comment, which was true, but but balanced with this, you you should love them mm-hmm. for who they are, because yep. Christ does. Yep, yep. Um, other diagnostic questions that I had is <laughs> kind of considering different calls. Is uh, can you work well with a session? Um, or you're going to be butting heads with them all the time. Um, if you're going to butt heads with them all the time, you're probably going to do a disservice to that congregation if you show up. Um, so make sure you can uh, get along with the the session there. Um, will your family do well there, or will they kind of wither? And um, I don't know. There's there's plenty of things to say that, but but make sure that you you consider the effects and implications of wherever you go, what that's going to have on your family. Um, Another thing, again, somewhat awkward, I guess, but can the church provide an adequate income for your family? Like you don't need to be, you know, living like a king, but will your basic needs be able to be met? Housing, food, um, all of those kinds of things. Um, And then, again, you do want to consider what presbytery you're going into as well. Um, So you want to kind of know the presbytery a little bit, kind of know... um, the the other um, elders there in the presbytery and just take that into consideration and whatever call you may up end up accepting that's what i've got yeah um i think playing off those things and then 
of again, I, I agree with everything you said about the place having to see. But go back to our interviews with Kyle Borg and George Gregory and Pete Smith. Uh, you can think about the culture, mm-hmm. uh, not so much the place, but the culture of the place, you know, like Kyle Borg, somebody that really desired to do rural ministry. And so if he's looking at two calls uh, and one of them is Winchester, Kansas, and the other is uh, Denver, Colorado, you know, he's probably going to Winchester and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, and so on and so forth. So, so thinking through that as well, uh, you know, what, what kind of culture do you feel most gifted in and desire to serve? And there's nothing wrong with making choices based on preferences when Mm -hmm. two things are within God's revealed will. Uh, another thing to think through is you may have one call to be an associate pastor and one call to be a solo pastor. And I remember Jeff Stiveson, when I asked him about this, you know, just a very helpful question he told me to ask myself is, are you kind of, you know, not necessarily in a sinful way, but are you the kind of guy who will be sitting there kind of always thinking, you know, well, I would have done it this way. Mm-hmm. You know, or I would have, you know, I would have tried to push us in this direction or whatever, because, you know, depending on the congregation, you know, and we've had guys on talking about the difference between, you know, a philosophy of a co-pastor versus a philosophy of a, a senior and associate. And the guys that we've had on, though, that that kind of tout the senior associate model, the associates themselves will say, you know, I'm, you know, I'm here to aid you know, the philosophy of ministry that's already kind of been set down uh, that the senior pastor has. And so this kind of, again, goes back to the philosophy of ministry thing. Um, but if you're not okay, really with doing that, if you would kind of always be sitting there thinking, well, I wish we'd be doing it this way, or I would, you know, then then you may really need to consider uh, the solo pastor at call, even if there is our, there are other sides of you that may think, well, I'd really be helped by an associate pastor in a role. And, 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 and they can be both and things, right? Like you could take an associate pastor thing for, you know, only plan to be there for a couple of years and then look, jump back into the candidating pool, if you will, but mm-hmm. still just that, you know, just another thing that you may be confronted with and helpful to think about. Mm-hmm. All right. Any other closing thoughts before we land this puppy? My thoughts are closed. Alrighty. Everybody says, praise God. All right, this is this has been another episode of the Blue Banter Podcast, uh, uh, anthology of pastoral theology. We've been talking about the uh, do's and don'ts of the candidating process. Lord willing, we'll be uh, back to the guests. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I think we've got a few guys in the pipeline, uh, but again, it is a, a busy season, um, both around the holidays and just for Joe and I as well. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, if you like this podcast, you can rate and review us on iTunes, though I would say we could use some love on Spotify. I think we've got a decent amount of attention on iTunes, but only maybe two uh, ratings on Spotify. So if you want to jump over there and just give us some love, we'd appreciate that. You can share this episode on social media. If you have a question you'd like us to ask the pastors we have on this podcast, or you'd like to suggest we have your pastor on the podcast, you can email us at bluebanterpodcast at gmail.com bluebanterpodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, whether you eat, drink, or banter, do all to the glory of God.